are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Power to the Pod, everybody, Dolphins fans near and far. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. I'm excited for today's show. It's the bi-week edition of Power to the Pod. We will, of course, have another one next week that involves no game on Sunday being played, but plenty to pay attention to and monitor across the league. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. We have no shortage of questions for power to the pod. Here's what I'm going to do. Because we're on the bye this week, I want to get everybody kind of caught up with the iTunes reviews questions uh, that we've received. And therefore, we are going to put a hold on the iTunes reviews, and we will do a segment of Thursday's show this week that is dedicated to the iTunes questions, because the way that they filter in is, I'll pull up reviews, but if you left a review in the last 48 hours since the Jets win, it's not going to show up. And I want to make sure everybody's as well represented as we possibly can be, and therefore, we're going to commit today to the Twitter questions, and then on Thursday, we will tackle iTunes review questions. Sound good? Got a question from Finn's Man Coverage from Wilmington, Delaware. Dude, we got to link up. If you're in Del- if you're in the greater Delaware area, it's where my residence is. Hit me up and see if we can't get a group of Dolphins fans together once this whole madness of social distancing and, and the pandemic cools down a little bit and uh, get an opportunity to watch some football together. Uh, He says he listens through Spotify, so he doesn't give me a five-star review, but he did leave me a Twitter DM. Power to the pod question. Uh, Not a question, but rather a take. Through six games, it's pretty clear the defense relies on its secondary heavily. It's clear that an injury can make a huge difference. With the Dolphins investing a first-round pick in Noah Igbenogany last year, wouldn't it be smart for the Dolphins to draft a defensive back in the first or second round every year, especially since we have our starting quarterback now, or at least we think we do? It's a good question. Um, I'm never going to rule out the Dolphins drafting a defensive back high. And, and kind of this team, I know, know people don't want to get too crazy in the draft discussions in the midst of a season in which the Dolphins are 500 at the bye week and six games that are all perceivably winnable games. I understand that. So I'll take this more from an angle of roster construction and team philosophy. The New England Patriots... The, the Dolphins are attempting to replicate a lot of that. And here's what's encouraging about the Dolphins attempting to replicate a defensive identity that mirrors that that we've seen from the New England Patriots. They're already having more success replicating it in year two after six games than what the Detroit Lions have after three years with Matt Patricia. Obviously, as Finn's main coverage points out, the durability of the defensive backs is a large variable in Miami's secondary playing effectively. That's why they drafted Noah Igbenogany. Since we're talking about the secondary, I'm going to take the opportunity now to eat crow based on the past month of play from one Bobby McCain. Entering into the season throughout the course of the summer, I said free safety. 
was a really large area of concern for me with this team. And Bobby has not closed the door on all the questions about his play at free safety, but I'll tell you this, through the first six games, Bobby McCain is playing really good football at free safety for the Miami Dolphins. He has played four really good games consecutively for the Dolphins. And if you're a Dolphins fan and you're thinking about how the team chooses to tackle an approach from a roster construction, which is the root of Finn's man coverage's question, yeah, I think if they're committed to having Noah be an outside corner and just have really good depth, you know, they're, they're, they're secondary. It's going to be hard for them to get more expensive than what it is right now. But as it comes time to maintain that group, having and drafting ahead of when it's actually a need is important. And I think that's a weird line that the Dolphins, at least in the secondary, are appearing to be able to, to walk and balance whilst trying to rebuild the rest of the team. They're kind of restocking their identity positions, investing versus addressing, right? So this is a good question. I appreciate that one. Uh, Kyle Smith wants to know, at what point do we start talking about how good the Dolphins' 2020 draft class was? Let's talk about it right now. Kyle, that's a great question. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa obviously took a handful of snaps at the end of the game. He took five snaps, threw two balls. I'm not going to go super crazy breaking down like what he did on both pass attempts. and what He looked good. I stopped on uh, WQAM this morning uh, with the Joe Rowe show with, uh, with Joe and, and Zach Krantz, and, and we talked about uh, the rookies on the offensive line and super excited to see how that group materializes and fleshes out. And Yeah, each one of these rookies looks really good for the Dolphins on the offensive line. Plus Eric Flowers. Uh, we're probably another month away from Eric Flowers having been the most reliable piece early on to being probably where he should have been all along, which is your third or fourth best offensive lineman. Like the Dolphins' offensive line is progressing that quickly, which should not be slept on or overlooked. Solomon Kinley looks really good. Robert Hunt for two consecutive games looks really good. Austin Jackson looks great in pass pro. Not great in pass pro. He looks very sufficient in pass pro. A lot of the little things for the Dolphins' offensive line. Now you extend beyond that. Raekwon Davis, I'm hoping the shoulder injury is nothing serious so we can continue to get an evaluation of him and his ability to fulfill a more prominent role. He and Zach Seiler kind of took over the Devon Godshaw reps. Uh, Noah Igbenogany has been up and down. We've talked plenty about how he's playing in a role that ideally wasn't served, uh, served for him this season uh, when Byron Jones was out. Lim Bowden's a fun one. I think there's a lot that's beneath the surface for Lim Bowden, for packages, for, for them. They tried to break it out a good bit against San Francisco as far as some of the wildcat offense type looks. And we were a couple Jesse Davis flubs away from popping some really big runs against San Francisco with that package. So keep an eye on that. Uh, obviously, he was not drafted by the team, but he was acquired and is a rookie. So I'm counting him, damn it. Brandon Jones uh, just missed a really big play against the Jets. So these guys are close. These guys are really close from popping a lot of big plays. Uh, So Kyle, uh, I think the optimism, and shit, even the 2019 class, if we're being honest, Christian Wilkins 
Michael Dieter, maybe not so much. Uh, but he's gonna be he's gonna be a utility piece for the entire duration of his contract. He'll probably be the sixth offensive lineman. Jesse Davis, swing tackle, Michael on the interior. Um Van Ginkle. Let's hope the, the concussion's not serious when we see him back against the Rams. Miles Gaskin. It's a nice two-year stretch of drafting for the Dolphins. And you're seeing what year two looks like, like for, for the 2019 three guys that are in prominent roles. Now I'll take that and extrapolate it for the 2020 class. Oh, Nelly. This could get pretty. This could get pretty real quick. And then if they have another strong draft class with four top 50 picks, guys, yeah. It's freaking cool. This football season will be different. And Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi will be especially clutch in week seven with the Dolphins on the bye. So you can literally just veg out on the couch, root against the Texans, and enjoy Pepsi. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because these passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Next question. I'm surprised how much I'm seeing this question, to be honest with you, but it's a reasonable question to ask. It comes from Shane. Flo decided not to play two in garbage time versus San Francisco, yet decided to do so against the New York Jets. I'm not sure anyone has the answer, but can we expect to see two starting against the Rams, or is it simply mop-up duty? Um, I would be stunned if it was anything but. And the reason being is I don't know how you could take any possible performance from Fitz in the last month aside of the Seattle game, but they didn't bench him from Seattle. We've played two games since, and we've won both games. Fitz has done nothing to lose the job at this point. There is value in getting him cleanup time and getting him live reps, and the Dolphins, I thought, did a nice job in letting him pass in some of those live-action reps that he finally did get. But I have a really hard time wrapping my mind around, yeah, Fitz, you got us to 3-3. Three and three. We're going into the bye. We're averaging 26.7 points per game, which is 14th in the NFL. We've scored 21 points or more in the first half of three of our last four games. Uh, William opening up a can of worms that I'm sure I'm going to tackle, but not today because this is a much more in-depth question than what I want to tackle today on the show. It is a good question. I'm going to like it right now, actually, so you just got the notification. With nearly half of the season of tape, if you were redrafting the Dolphins' first five picks of 2020, who would you have taken? Oh, man. That's a bi-week topic. And we're still on the heels of the Jets. We gotta we gotta summarize the Jets game between tomorrow and Thursday with the All 22. No crossover this week, of course. And then we'll set the table for a weekend of football without the Dolphins playing on Friday. Next week, I'm gonna tackle that one. I promise. Uh, Jason, do you have any concerns over the lack of touches going to Mike Gesicki? Other tight ends were involved, but only two targets for Mike against the Jets. No, because the Dolphins won the game. Uh, there, I know there's a lot of fantasy owners that are kind of disenfranchised with the lack of consistency as it pertains to Mike Gusecki's production. Uh, but we guys, we knew this was going to happen, right? Mike Gusecki is averaging 
46.8 yards per game at this point in time on the season. So 46.8 times 16. He's on pace for 750 yards this year. He's got 30 targets through six games. He's getting an average of five targets a game. His 30 targets are, I believe, second highest on the team. He ain't going to get them all every week. There's going to be weeks where you've got matchups, like week three or week two against Buffalo, in which he got eight targets and caught, or 11 targets and caught eight balls. And week five against San Francisco, in which he got six targets and caught five balls for 91 yards. The other three, the other four games, 30, 15, 15, zero for receiving yardage. It's they're going to spread the ball around. And the Dolphins are probably aside of Devontae Parker right now because he's the one and the clear-cut number one. It's going to be week to week. And um, I'm not really surprised that a guy whose success a lot of the times comes stretching the seam and either running corner routes or, or running fade routes up the seam from the slot, who's a long strider, didn't get a lot of looks against a team that had strong safety play to coverage him, to cover him, and a team that blitzed the shit out of Miami as far as the New York Jets and Greg Williams. One of the highest blitz for a good season in the NFL. Forcing the ball out quickly. Miami had success on the bust with Shaheen up the seam. But like, no, I'm not surprised that Shaheen caught a touchdown in the red zone and in, in, in the, the low red zone and Durham Smythe caught a touchdown in the low red zone because the Dolphins are, are running out with their heavy personnel groupings to try and sell run, and then they play action off of it, and they're wide open. Mike got 37 snaps. Uh, he got 30 the week before that, and he got 30 in the win against Jacksonville. This was a middle-of-the-road game usage for Mike. Uh, the Dolphins really didn't need to air it out. No, I'm not concerned about Kaseki. I know there's a lot of people that have questions about Mike, but in the context of there's weeks where he's going to blow up, but the Dolphins don't need everybody to blow up every single week. It's like I continue to see criticism about what the second-half offensive performance was for the New York or for the Miami Dolphins against the New York Jets. They were up 21-0. Jets couldn't buy a first down to save their lives. And we're mad Dolphins aren't going and bombing it downfield. The Dolphins did bomb it downfield. They got picked off. So continue to play the field position game. Run the ball. Get out of there healthy. Don't put yourselves in positions to get guys hurt. Play vanilla. And get the hell out of Dodge with a win, which is what the Dolphins did. And they got a shutout win. So I'm not I'm not buying the criticism about the Dolphins' second-half offense, and the Dolphins have shown that they can come out firing when they need to. They were chasing the Bills. They were chasing Seattle. They didn't win either one of those games, but the Dolphins did score 28 against Buffalo, and they scored 23 against Seattle with some questionable coaching decisions to kick two field goals from the 11-yard line. Miami can move the ball just fine when they need to. I don't think it's a coincidence that they get out to three touchdown leads against Jacksonville and the New York Jets in the first half of each football game, and they have their two lowest yardage outputs of the game. We don't need to. Until the other team shows that they can get past the 40-yard line, we don't need to play frantic. We don't need to play 
60 minutes of balls to the wall. Might it come back and bite the Dolphins one of these times? Yeah. And if it does, we'll have a right to be pissed off about it. But I'm not going to sit here and get angry about the Dolphins, you know, putting it the game in cruise control against a team that's known to play dirty and undisciplined that can't move the ball past the 50-yard line. Jason, you got a little bit more than you bargained for on that question. Jack wants to know, uh, we've seen six games and seen good things from our three rookie offensive linemen. Can you give a snapshot of our defensive picks, Raekwon Davis, Brandon Jones, Jason Strobridge, and Igbo? Uh, Strobridge, it's really hard to draw anything from because he's not really playing, uh, and I felt he was more of a developmental guy anyway, so I'm not super surprised. Uh, Raekwon Davis has had some really good flashes. Leverage continues to be something for him that is not natural because he's such a big guy. He's got a lot of surface area. He's going to have to work on pad level and leverage and get more consistent there, but this is a really good opportunity for him to do that over this stretch of 10 games. Brandon Jones, uh, I'm encouraged with. Eric Rowe has kind of settled back into uh, the base look. They've kind of gone with more true nickel. They've got away from the three safety stuff with as much frequency as we saw it early on in the season. I don't necessarily think that's an indictment of Brandon. Brandon's been one of the better tackling defensive backs on the team. And Igbo is kind of just, we're going to play wait and see. Because he got pressed into action earlier than what the team wanted him to. And he, there was some school of hard knocks lessons to be learned. Now we got to see how he bounces back. Uh, Justin thinks there's one glaring need for improvement on this team, and it's third down conversions. What would you say our best recipe to improve our success on third down is going forward? I would like to see the Dolphins uh, pass the ball a little bit more frequently on second and long. I believe the Dolphins are in the ten bottom 10 teams in the NFL for pass frequency on second and long. Um, I know if, you, if that pass falls incomplete, you're inevitably going to put yourself way behind the sticks and it's a third and long situation. But the Dolphins have done surprisingly well with some third and long concepts. And I think that that's one area to get into third and shorter situations. You've seen the team try to recruit some of the wildcat offense type stuff. I think those kind of misdirection plays are really helpful. I liked uh, the pin pulls that, that Miami broke out on the counter counter game against the Jets to kind of peel Gaskin back against the grain and get upfield, taking advantage of just how aggressive the Jets were on defense. The screen game is coming along well. I think that's another area in which the Dolphins are going to give themselves a fighting chance uh, to continue to get better on third down is the screen game. They've kind of struggled with, like, what kind of screen concepts do we run that our offensive linemen are going to be able to reach and hit? And they've kind of found it's almost like this Texas screen where the back releases into the, the flat and then he peels back and comes underneath and the Dolphins will release whoever their uncovered offensive lineman is. It's typically the center. Uh, will release up the field, and you've got like one lead blocker with the back carrying momentum. It was the Miles Gaskin play that caught 15 on third and 16 against San Francisco, and then they went for it on the fake punt. Uh, that concept, uh, I, I think that screen concept has a lot of potential for Miami based on they don't have offensive linemen that are going to, hit far-reaching marks with frequency. I'll say this, though. The Dolphins, 40% on third down. 
uh, which is 22nd in the NFL. They are three of four on fourth down, 75%. I would say another area of improvement that was not mentioned here uh, by Justin that does need to be addressed is the red zone offense. Uh, The Dolphins have scored 15 touchdowns on 26 red zone trips, which is 57.7%. That is 23rd in the NFL. We're trying to get Gusecki the ball down in the red zone, but we're forcing it into coverage, which is no bueno. Um, I can think of a number of targets where Fitz has just thrown it out of the back of the end zone. He did it against uh, New England. He did it against, well, the one against New England was intercepted. He did it against San Francisco. Fred Warner tried to to drop from the A-gap and run with him, and Fitz left it inside, and it went out of the back of the end zone. There was at least one other concept where, where Gusecki ran up the seam in the red zone, and Fitz just threw it out of the back of the end zone. And then you got the throws like the one that came against the Jets that should have been intercepted because he's just missing kind of shallow rat coverage. Uh, from linebackers. I don't know if he was expecting a back or somebody on the other side of the formation to carry that zone defender away or what. But that should have been picked, and that was intended for Gisecki in the red zone. So I, I think we got to readjust what our red zone concepts look like if we're going to feed Mike, because unless it's in the high red zone and like the 15 and between the 15 and the 20. The concepts they're trying right now are pretty congested and we're not showing a a great consistency with hitting them. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the past 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for all of your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. So whether you're looking for engine control modules to brake parts, the tail lamps, motor oil, or new carpet for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you go anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, Reliably low prices and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. The Locked On Network has been raving about the Built Bar, but now the Built brand has a new product that can help you break through your mental or physical walls on a daily basis. Built Go. It's easy to take in a one and a half ounce package. So whether you need to throw it in your back pocket, throw it in the glove box, or take it into work with you, You will always have it available to you. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash, and it's natural, so it's better for your body anyway. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is mint chocolate, but you also get chocolate coconut and peanut butter honey. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED. 30% 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Dave wants to know if I think the, the bye week has come at a good or bad time for the Dolphins. This is a great question. So the Dolphins are playing really good football. They won three out of their last four games. They, you would ideally like to play. 
right? But at the same time, Van Noy's banged up. Raekwon Davis banged up. Andrew Van Ginkle's banged up. Austin Jackson's banged up. He might come back now. I don't know. I don't know what his availability is going to be or not. Devontae Parker's banged up. Uh, Camus Gruger Hill apparently broke a finger and the bone came through his skin and he got it stitched up, put a cast on it, and went back out and played the rest of the game. Give him a week or two to heal that up. Byron Jones still on the injury report. I think there's enough nicks and bangs and bumps and bruises for the Dolphins that we could say, hey, we're 3-1 and one in our last four. We're going to take the next two weeks to get healthy. Advanced preparation for arguably our most difficult game of the next six in the Rams, who are playing on a short week because they play on Monday Night Football next week and then have to come all the way across the country to play in Miami on Sunday. You've seen some teams, San Francisco beat the Rams by eight points. And nobody who's listening to this podcast forgot what Miami did to San Francisco, right? So, I think if you win this next one against the Rams and the bye sets up well for Miami to get healthy and game plan extra against a short week for the Rams to have some success, I think that win that would move you to four wins in your last five games really gives Miami a lot of momentum that would be beneficial to the football team. So I'm perfectly fine with the bye coming where it is for the Dolphins. Let's get healthy. Couple questions, including from Jack uh, regarding the trade deadline. I know some folks had asked, you know, Jordan Howard, do we trade Jordan Howard? Do we sell him? Do we buy anybody else? So on and so forth. I know John Ross apparently just requested a trade today from the Bengals. No, thank you. Uh, David Njoku, apparently, reportedly, he's declined, denied it. But I don't know if I believe him, to be honest with you. Um, requested a trade from the, the Browns. So how would I handle the buy if I'm the Dolphins? I'm not really interested in adding wide receiver help. I think the Dolphins kind of have what they have to work with in Isaiah from the slot and Preston and Devontae and Gasecki and between Limboden. Jakeem Grant, you've got some speed components. You just got to feel comfortable working them in. Uh, Jakeem's got to start catching the ball with consistency. He can be so much for this offense. Lynn Bowden, I'd love to see him carve out more of a role. The first month has kind of been like a crash course for him. We got a bye week. Uh, Put the ball in his hands. Let him be an athlete a little bit. They tried one of those tunnel screens in the first game that he was active in. Like it was really close to popping. Uh, It was just the landmark for the offensive lineman to pick up the first arriving defender was a little too far. I don't think adding John Ross to this team is going to add a lot. Uh, You've got Jakeem as a player that you can run the wheeling up or the out and up or the nine route or the, the post route. And they're putting him there. He is getting looks on the boundary to play the deeper patterns. I want to know when the first time they're going to target it is. And I don't know how quickly that's going to come because so many times with Jakeem, it's like he makes some great play and then the next time he's targeted with the football, he drops the ball. So I just don't know how much of a trust there is there 
to consistently funnel plays through Jakeem. John Ross, if you have that problem with, with Jakeem Grant, you're going to have that problem with John Ross. So I'm completely out on John Ross. Um, Njoku would be intriguing for me, but I guess the problem with Njoku is Njoku is more of a receiver than a blocker. And I've been calling for more 12, but more 12 would have to have Gasecki and a blocker on the field, which is why I think Penn State tight end Pat Fryermuth is so attractive for the Dolphins as a prospect because he's both, he's a three down traditional Y in line tight end. Aiden wants to know which Dolphins are playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. This is a great question. Not Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love Fitz, but I ain't putting him on that that pedestal. Um, Gaskin, you don't usually see guys who average, who don't get over 1,000 rushing yards make the Pro Bowl, and he's not a name value anyway, so I don't think he's any bit realistic uh, to be a candidate there. Devontae Parker, 29 receptions, 364 yards. He had a quiet game against the Jets. Uh, but he had the big breakout last year. I think if he goes over 1,000 yards, he'll make the Pro Bowl. He might be your only offensive player. Gusecki, um has a chance, but he's got to have a couple more games like he had against the Bills and like he had against the 49ers. If Gusecki finishes with 700-plus yards receiving and you know six, seven touchdowns, I think that's a reasonable Pro Bowl proposition defensively, ah, let's do special teams. I think the Dolphins have a kicker and a punter that are playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. Sanders has not missed a kick yet. You heard it here. I knocked on wood, so don't blame me if he misses one against the Rams. Matt Hack is punting the ball spectacularly. We talked about that yesterday on the show. Emmanuel Ogba with five sacks through six games. Uh, he's had at least a half a sack in every game except the first game against New England. And, by the way, he had 10 pressures against. He had 10 pressures against the Jets. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. Xavier Howard's playing at a Pro Bowl level. You can make a case for Bobby McCain playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's got an interception. He He's credited with not giving up a whole lot of anything in coverage. I know there was a play that we had the question about at the end of the Buffalo game. Uh, I would presume him not being credited with that is some kind of indicator that because they were playing man, whoever beat, I think it was John Brown, beat him on the deep touchdown, um, was responsible for that coverage. Through six games, Bobby McCain... um, has only missed one tackle. That is the most impressive improvement for Bobby. Forget the coverage. Well, don't forget the coverage. But the most impressive thing for me for Bobby is he's missed one tackle. He missed 10 tackles in nine games last year, 28% missed tackle percentage, 15% missed tackle percentage the year before that. He's missed 4.5% of his tackle attempts thus far this season. He's been credited with 47 yards in coverage against his responsibility. So I'd say Bobby, Zavian, we get Byron Jones a couple turnovers. We could put him in this mix. Emmanuel Agba, Devontae Parker, 
both specialists for the Dolphins. They won't get all those guys. That's just my short list. Last question comes from Layton. If Austin Jackson is able to return coming off the bye week, has Robert Hunt played well enough to stay in the lineup? And I had a comment from Tua No Matter What who said, no, Davis is still better, but Hunt has more potential. I would disagree with that. Uh, Davis is Jesse Davis is our worst starting offensive lineman. And it's, it's not close. Uh, Jesse, his versatility is a huge asset. But you watch him try to sustain at the point of attack. You watch him when the Dolphins motion at the snap and teams adjust and it kind of changes who the most dangerous men are at the line of scrimmage. You watch him climb to the second level and he's completely overlooking the play side backer to get the next guy flowing down the line and letting the more dangerous defender simply run right past his face. Um, Jesse's been frustrating to watch in pass protection, in assignments. He's a blue-collar dude and his versatility is going to be invaluable to this team as they look to compile... Uh, as versatile and effective as an offensive line unit as possible. And there's no shame in being a team swing tackle. But I've seen enough from Robert Hunt in two games to know he's going to make rookie mistakes, but Jesse Jesse Davis makes rookie mistakes as well. But he's not a rookie, which makes it a harder pill to swallow. So keep Robert Hunt out there because Robert gives you more power. And again, Fitzpatrick is the third fastest trigger, second fastest if you omit Dwayne Haskins because he's been benched, even though he's enough qualifying attempts according to next-gen stats. Dolphins are the second fastest team in football getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand. So I don't really care if he's wrong pass, bro. We've seen that kind of was really apprehensive about during the summer. So he got closer to the season. It was, hey, wait a minute, this might be something. And as we've seen through six games, it is indeed something. I hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod today. I know I certainly did. I'm looking forward to getting into all 22 reactions and breakdown from Jets. Uh, Jets game for offense and defense for the Dolphins the next two days. As I said, iTunes reviews questions. I'm going to revisit them on Thursday because I don't want them to be omitted and I don't want to be answering questions next week that were pertinent this week coming off the heels of the Jets game. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.